Good morning, New Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church, a place where love abides. Our pastor is Pastor Dontel Awesome Halls, and I am your host for the Sunday School Hour, Reverend Bill Riley. Welcome. Just wanted to uh, give you our best condolences and wish you all well and keeping safe during this pandemic. Wear your mask. Uh, be obedient to the ordinances of our city, state. Um, we want to thank you once again for allowing us to come into your living room to share some biblical truths. Just want to keep you informed about our podcast. Our podcast is not to take the place of our Sunday school study and your own personal study, but it is to assist you along the way, giving you wisdom and insights into the scriptures. Let's look into our lesson. Today's lesson is Saul's disobedience under pressure. Saul's disobedience under pressure. Our lesson text comes from 1 Samuel chapter 13 verses 5 through 14. Our golden text is chap is chapter 13, 1 Samuel chapter 13 verses 13. It says, "And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Today's lesson is Saul's disobedience under pressure. Our aim today is to find out what did Saul do? What did Saul do? Let's look at our scripture text today. 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning at verse 5. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in mishmash eastward from Beth Haven. Verse 5, we see those pesky old Philistines once again show up in our lesson today. The Philistines is gathering together in verse 5 uh, a large number of military men along with some of the things that the Philistines are known for and that is the iron and bronze military weapons, chariots and horses. To find out about the lesson backdrop, you have to look at verse 1 through 5. It says, Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Mishmash and in the Mount Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan and Gibeoth of Benjamin. And the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. Verse 3 says, And Jonathan smote the garrisons of the Philistines that was in Gabal. And the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. So in this particular verse, in verse 3, is why the Philistines is gathered such a large number. It's because Jonathan, with the thousand military men he had with him, had smoked, or what they call assaulted the Philistines, a sneak attack on the Philistines, and overtook them in Gibeah. And the Philistines heard of it, and so therefore they're gathering in verse 5. 
in the last lesson we see that Israel demanded a king and Saul was chosen. We seen in last week's lesson that Saul was anointed to be king over Israel. Saul was also um, overtaken by the Holy Spirit where the Bible says that his heart had changed towards God and so therefore God had um, allowed the Holy Spirit to overtake Saul and Saul prophesied. So we see in last week's lesson that the Holy Spirit is in control over Saul but this week's lesson it's about maybe a year or two um, it's not certain through the biblical scholars but there a period of time has gone by and King Saul is starting to um, what we call smell himself have you ever been patient most of us will admit that we could be more patient in fact some of us are like the man who prayed Lord give me patience and give it to me right now rarely do we like to wait and it is probably more difficult to wait in today's world where instant communications fast service are a part of everyday living nevertheless we must learn to wait failure to do so can even lead to disaster waiting on the Lord is perhaps the most difficult challenge we encounter simply because we often assume that we know what is best even more presumptuous on occasion we think we know exactly what God's will is when he has not revealed it. One of the most famous statements in scripture is Isaiah 40:31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as evil. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Our lesson outline today is broken up into three parts. Saul and the people's fear defeat. Saul gives in to fear and Saul foolish decision. Saul and the people's fear defeat. The Philistines gathered. During the first two years of his reign, King Saul seemed to be going in the right direction. That, however, was going to change. Recognizing the Philistines' threat, Saul gathered a small army and his son Jonathan led a successful raid on the Philistines' outpost. In response to the Philistines' amass, a significant military force to launch a counterattack on Israel, the Philistines had a huge advantage against the, the Israelites. The people's distress. Seeing that they were vastly outnumbered and the Israelites hid themselves from the advancing Philistines while Saul had proved himself a worthy military leader against the Amorites, the Philistines' threat was more formidable. Consequently, the people followed him trembling. With each passing day, both Saul and his men probably became more anxious, wondering when Samuel was going to arrive. The longer the delay, the greater the likelihood that more of his men would slip away before the battle began. Here it is that this military might that the Philistines was a great threat to to Israel, knowing that Israel fought with mostly uh, weapons of swords, but mostly when they first started out was with plowshares and gardening hooks they were fighting with. The, these military men of the Philistines had formidable weapons of iron chariots, um, steel plated 
um, swords as we've seen, as we will see coming up in chapter 15 and 16. So with this threat on the horizon, Israel's men were starting to slip away. They started to be afraid, actually. And being a king, we st Saul started to see most of the men that he had chosen to be in his military begin to weed out because they were afraid. Saul's disobedience under pressure. Well, you could have, you can imagine what kind of pressure that Saul was under. Saul had 3,000 men starting out. 2,000 was with Saul. 1,000 was with Jonathan. I believe by the time he got to the battle, he was somewhere around 300 men. Where did we see that story at before? Remember Gideon, the story of Gideon, when God had to window down Gideon's number because God was going to get the credit for the military battle or for the, the winning of that battle? Saul gives in to fear, a scattering of soldiers. To his credit, Saul recognized his need for the Lord's help to defeat the Philistines. Since Samuel was Israel's spiritual leader, he was supposed to officiate over the sacrifice that were made prior to the battle. Samuel, however, had not arrived. Saul had became impatient during the seven days awaiting. Not only was Saul impatient, but so were his soldiers. Since they were starting to scatter, Saul decided to take matters into his own hands. A sacrifice offered. Saul tried. Saul was tired of waiting for Samuel to arrive. Understand some of the things that we discussed in a previous lesson. Samuel was upset because Israel demanded a king and Samuel felt like he was rejected. There is some humanistic characteristics of some of God's leaders. But Samuel held three major offices. One of them was he was a prophet. He was the mouthpiece of God. He spoke directly with God to get the instructions. But not only that, Samuel was also a priest. His service work in the temple, he performed sacrifices, burnt incense, and even worship. But then Saul, I mean Samuel, was also a judge. He was a governor of justice and God's laws and the laws of the land. So even though Israel had demanded a king, which God gave them, Samuel still held his three major office. And one of them was to perform a sacrifice to get God's approval before war. Saul was tired of waiting for Samuel to arrive, demanded that the proper offering be brought in to him. Then he offered him, then he offered them to the Lord. Just after Saul completed offering the sacrifices, Samuel arrived. Saul had no qualms about what he had just done as he went out to greet Samuel. Samuel rebukes Saul. Shocked because of Saul's action, Samuel asks, What hast thou done, since only priests were ordained by God to offer sacrifices? Saul had presumptuously assumed the role that was not his. Saul certainly knew better. 
this was not a sin of ignorance. In Numbers chapter 18, verses 1 through 7, God had specifically set apart, sanctified certain men to become priests for the off for the for the uh, temple. And verse 18, I'm um, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Aaron, Thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee shall bear the iniquities of the sanctuary, and thou and thy sons with thee shall bear the iniquities of your priesthood. And thy brethren, also the tribe of Levi, the tribe of thy father, bring thou with thee, that they be joined unto thee and minister unto thee. But thou and thy sons with thee shall minister before the tabernacles a witness. Drop down to verse 5. And ye shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar, and there be no wrath any more upon the children of Israel. And God has sanctified these particular tribe, the tribe of Levi, for specifically the work and the priesthood of the nation of Israel. So what did Saul do to become disobedient? Well, you know, the, 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 the saying that we have is that you need to stay in your lane. God had ordained Saul to be king and anointed him to be king or the captain of the inheritance. However, Saul was not, he was not permitted to go into the temple and offer sacrifices. So there we have it. He was impatient. Let's look at some of the things that Saul character flaws. King Saul lacked discernment in such matters and esteemed from two personal deficiencies, impatient and, in, and self-control, harboring a rebellious heart towards God. I want to add a few more. Saul was also insecure because he was also a people pleaser as well. When he saw that his peop that he had no longer control over the people um, confidence in in battling with him, Saul acted out rationally towards the Lord. King Saul was not only the only one who had performed these duties in Second Chronicles chapter twenty six, verses sixteen to twenty one, King Uzziah, who God had blessed tremendously during his reign he also did the same sin that Saul had committed Saul excused himself and attempted to justify what he had done he explained to Samuel that he was afraid the Philistines would attack soon recognizing that they needed God's blessing Saul declared that he had forced himself to assume the role of a priest and offered the sacrifice this, he wrongly assumed, was the right thing to do under circumstances. Instead, it was blatant disobedience to both the, to both the revealed will of God in Scripture and Samuel's explicit instructions. What are you going to do when faced with pressure to act on some fears, financial approval of others, and acceptance of your position? at work or maybe you're you know you're going to school and your grade level where peer pressure is oftentimes um one of the things that our kids are involved in 
What did Saul do? He defiled the office of the role of the priest. God's work for servants like priests, pastors, and preachers, officers of the church, even deacons, are holy work set apart for God's purpose. Saul's foolish decision. In response to Saul's state, rec reason for presuming his to offer the sacrifices, Samuel bl bluntly answered, Thou hast done foolishly. Verse 13. To disobey God is always a foolish decision, as there is no excuse for such disobedience. Indeed, the disobedience was not in what was offered, but in how it was offered. As priests alone were ordained for this I'm sorry, mediatorial role, he was a mediator. Leviticus 17, 1-7. Priest's role in the Old Testament during the time of Moses, there they were to make atonement for the sins of the people. In Leviticus chapter 17, 1 through 7, we can look at verse 5. It says, To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offered in the open field, even that they may bring them unto the Lord, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priests, and offer them for peace offerings unto the Lord. And the priests shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and burn the fat for a sweet savoring unto the Lord, and they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils, after whom they have have gone a whoring. This shall be a statue or a rule, a law, forever unto them throughout their generations. So there you have it. The priest's role was a mediatorial role, whereas though they stood as the mediator between God and sinful man, making atonement for their sins. And Saul did not qualify for that role. So many times we see in the body of Christ when um, God had ordained um, officers in the church whereas though that they uh, made a vow unto the Lord to follow his instructions, to be obedient, to be uh, a light, also a representative for each and every member of that church, oftentimes fall away by using um, their freedom to disobey God in many a ways. It's, it's okay to take your money and to use it for whatever you wanted to use it for. But to be an officer of the Lord and say you trust in God with your mouth, but then you go and play the lottery and depend on another God, then that is just blasphemy. Now, that's probably one of my pet peeves you don't want to hear, but that's a reality because I was involved in that, you know. So I just wanted to share it with anyone who may be struggling in that area. We know that God saw the actions of Saul as a serious breach of his word because of the immediate judgment Samuel pronounced upon the king. Had Saul revered the Lord through obedience, his kingdom would have been established forever although Saul had been king only for a brief time he would be replaced by a man after God's own heart 
usually understood to mean a man who would put God first. The man in who would replace Saul was David. And so you see how King Saul be doing his disobedience and Samuel pronouncing that God was going to rip the kingdom from him and God was going to choose someone else. Saul be began to wrestle with demonic spirits, demonic spirit spirits. Also, he he began to look out for that particular one who would have the heart of God. And David happens to be the one. In spite of Saul's disobedience, Israel was victorious over the Philistines, but King Saul continued to make foolish decisions because of his distorted view of grace. Some have concluded that obedience is of no consequences. To be sure, our obedience does not earn God's favor, but God's grace instructs us to live in a manner that reflects and regenerated heart. Christ was obedient to the Father's will, as we also should be. Do you obey God as Jesus did? Are you more like King Saul? Question number one. Why did the Philistines attack Israel this time? It's because during King Saul's uh, reign, his son Jonathan had a thousand men that went down to Gibeah and assaulted the Philistines at their garrisons. That was at military outposts. So it was, an, it was a hit, um, a military hit on the Philistines. That's why the Philistines was gathering. Question number two, how formidable was the Philistines army? Well, they were formidable because they had a large number of military might coming after King Saul. If you look at 1 Samuel, chapter 13 looking at verse 5 it says and the philistines gathered themselves together to fight with israel 30,000 chariots 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitudes and they came up so they were formidable because what we looked at saul had mustered up 3,000 men by the time he got to uh, making that offering or disobeying God. I think he was around 300. Practical point. When we forget that the Lord is with us, our battles against enemy forces will fail. Practical number two. We should wait patiently on the Lord, even if it seems he will never come. Our plan should never replace obeying God's word. No amount of sacrifices can take the place of obedience to God's word. Obedience is better than sacrifices. When we step outside of God's when we step outside of God of what God has shown that he requires of us, he will be displeased with us. When we disobey God's word, we will not be blessed to carry out his will. Let me add a little billism on this because I, I can see that this this is a this is a um, a real issue. Um, there are times in family and relationships and marriage where the husband will act independently from the wife is because he's impatient to wait on the Lord, um, and then sometimes the wife will uh, act independently 
from the husband because the husband is too slow and either um, handling a matter and that and that there will cause a riffraff when and whenever we began to act independently from the union of what it is that we have established we always going to come up with some trouble so that's it that's all i have for you today i wish i can give you more but i'm past my 20 minute mark i'm going on 25 so um thank you may heaven smile upon you hopefully this is being a blessing to you